D. Smith, welcome in. It's the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast is brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. Darren, we have a very special guest tonight. It is a pleasure to see both of you. Hi, Darren. Hi, Nate Abarea. Hello to both of you. Hello, Abarea. It is a pleasure. It's another edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. How are you doing tonight? We're brought to you by Three Point Gales in Chula Vista and by Sport Clips, where it is great to be a guy. Nate, great to see you again. Good to see you both again. Uh, I, I wanted to actually open my appearance here on uh, my latest appearance here on the illustrious, wonderful, beautiful Unnamed Soccer Podcast. I wanted to show you guys this um, and to provide a little for anybody just listening uh, to this. This was a postcard from Liverpool uh, that my my wonderful partner, Sophia, got for me uh, from a trip to Liverpool. And I've always looked at it like, you know, the, the relationship between Everton and Liverpool Football Club. Well, Everton Football Club uh, are worthy of some praise right now. And as you can tell, it's, it's hard for me to even just get through this. And so I'm just going to try to actually just get to the, the, the banging home plate of all this. And that is congratulations to all of you Toffees out there for your first Merseyside Derby victory in 11 years and nearly 11 years and your first victory at Anfield in this millennium. Congratulations. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And... There's that, there's that picture again. Look at that. It's the blue bird and the red bird, the two liver birds coming together. So I just wanted to say congratulations to start Nate, that day. Nate, how old were you the last time that Everton won at Anfield? I was eight or nine years old. It was the Derby, the Derby prior to that at Anfield. I was actually in Liverpool. That was like one of my first huge connections to Liverpool as a kid was being there for the Derby where Robbie Fowler uh, famously scored a goal. And uh, I don't want to get in any big trouble here. So I'll let uh, you, the listener, go out and explore on YouTube and see what Robbie Fowler did in celebration of scoring that goal uh, against Everton. That was in like March or April of 99. And then the next season, I think the same year, 1999, the 99-2000 season uh, on a Kevin Campbell goal uh, for Everton. That was the last time, a 1-0 win for Everton in 1999. So I must have been eight or nine years old uh, for that. Mm. And here we are at mm. the... It feels uh, very backhanded, this congratulations. It does not feel genuine. Um, I have a follow-up question to Darren's question. How old were you when Everton became the best club in Liverpool? Uh, <laughs> I was 30. I was 30. And technically, Liverpool are still ahead in the standings. Liverpool are still ahead in the table um, by uh, the, the, the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. Um, I think Everton still have a game in hand and are on the rise. Ancelotti's got them playing uh, a beautiful, ferocious mentality. Uh, good stuff at Goodison Park. Um, I think they're going to finish ahead of Liverpool uh, this season. And then Liverpool could still somehow manage to... Uh, end the season with more trophies uh, than Everton have picked up since 1995. We'll okay. see. So, we'll see so me, uh, as, as the non-Premier uh, uh, League priority supporter in this group, let me just ask them. So, Nate, what happens if Liverpool does finish outside of the top four? What do you mean, what happens? We, we I mean, know what happens. I mean, what, what does that mean? What is the impact of that? What are the repercussions of that? Well, I'm glad you you phrase it this way. And, and if I haven't pissed off everybody to start my uh, latest appearance here on this show, if we can all kind of, you know, take a deep breath and and come back, come back to a central zone here. Um, in all seriousness, congratulations to every other team in the Premier League and everything that they're doing. It, it, you can look at it away from Liverpool as the reigning champions, but... Liverpool at the same time have been plagued by injuries like no other team this year. The crowd, the 12th man, all the different stuff we've talked about that Liverpool have been without. The personal tragedy, sadly, with what's happened with Alison Becker and, and his father today is just the latest thing. And, and I hope that Alison Becker gets the time to heal. I hope Jurgen Klopp gets to reunite with his family after the, the passing of his mother. And so without getting too dark and dreary right now, it's just the human side of it all Virgil van Dyke being out with that horrific injury and Joe Gomez and the list goes on and on there's got to be an ability to reset for Liverpool that's what I'm getting at that's the the grand point there's got to be the ability to to put this 
behind and go again next year. Now, what that means for players staying and coming in without having Champions League football next year, that's a whole nother conversation. I don't really get all too concerned with that. I hope players are there for the long haul regardless, or at least for the two-year quote-unquote long haul where if they were to not be in the Champions League ne- next year, which apart from that thing I was half joking about, about them winning the, the Champions League this year, that would be the way they would end the season with a trophy and, and qualify for the Champions League next year. Barring that, they're going to be in Europa League or no European football whatsoever. And I don't know how that's going to impact transfers and, and players coming and going, but I would hope it wouldn't impact it too much. And for me, Back to your actual question there. I don't think it should affect all too much change or get anybody all too uh, uh, crazy about everything going on with Liverpool. They should be able to see the the bigger picture of what this team's been through this year. Well, I feel bad. I feel like the only time we invite you on the podcast is following a loss. It's strategic. Um, it's strategic. It, it seems to have happened again. And to balance it out, I brought a Liverpool jersey to the pod have you seen this before? Have I ever showed this to you? This oh, is a gift. What is this? You know who this is a, well, it's a Liverpool shirt. I'm glad you asked. But it is signed by a player. Do you want to guess what player signed this? Plays for Liverpool. And I'll tell you, it says, Darren Jordan, best wishes. And then the name. But I'm not going to tell you the name quite yet. Guess who it is? Lucas Leva. No, uh, active player. No. You, said current, you said current player. Um Current player, right? I'm going to go big. Uh, uh, Mo Salah. No. Who you got there, Jordan? That's good, though. I would have had Mo Salah sign a Chelsea shirt. Uh, This is the Ox. Oh, lovely. Yes. He's still with Liverpool, right? He still is. The Ox is uh, working his way back to full form kind of seemingly always well um, I feel bad for the guy he's he's been through a lot of injury struggles uh, yeah. in his career but when the ox is on form one of my favorite one of my favorite footballers absolutely yeah absolutely i feel like as soon as he gave us this like he was suffered a bunch of injuries so maybe it's bad luck maybe it's a bad thing that i have it but i think it's beautiful and it's the only i, I love it too that i love that it still has the tag on it for those right? that are watching you can see it for those that are listening Jordan's holding up a Liverpool shirt that has the actual tag on it. And that's amazing. Yeah. This was a gift to Darren and I, and somehow it's in my closet. Um, So there you go. I wanted to bring some Liverpool love. Nate, I felt bad that we only invite you on following a lot. So I did. I did want to give you some little gift. I mean, to be fair, fair, the last couple of years, they've won a league title in the Champions League. So I I think people move on quickly. They forget that stuff. Oh. And a European Super Cup. And and it was one of the things is they, they kept winning things. And by winning things, they qualified for more things. And then everyone gets hurt. And then you go through, you know, a year of, of football and a pandemic. And at what point do you actually kind of look at Liverpool on a last three to four year view going, these guys are burnt out. This team finally legitimately burnt out and they played an exorbitant amount of fixtures all over the continent and all over the world in, in the last few years. And I think it finally caught up with them. And I think that's okay to say. And I think that that team has a lot of, uh, they've overcome adversity before. And I see this as just the next challenge and they will go again, and Jurgen Klopp will lead a, a winning, trophy-winning Liverpool team at some point again. He will win another trophy at Liverpool FC. Jurgen Klopp. Remember him? The one everyone freaking out about this year? He's lost his magic. He will win another trophy. You heard it right here. Yes, good. I'm glad you said that. that winning, winning comes at a cost. It, you know, that it's hard to win a lot year after year after year to manage expectations. Like that's, you're exactly spot on. It's, it's a hard thing to do. And uh, I, I feel like I completely did kind of botch the, uh, the attempt at Everton love there in the opening. So I just want to one more time, just, you know, show that beautiful thing. Congratulations uh, to Everton in a historical sense. Um, what you sent in a, in a group chat the other night, it was this article about the, the argument of the greatest Premier League champions. And 
Liverpool sort of people, oh, does it take away from their title win how you played the next season? They could have the the biggest drop-off. Them and Leicester in, in 16-17 would be like the biggest drop-offs from, from a, a reigning champion to the next season. And I think you got to factor in all the things that I just went off about there in the opening of the show. But if I haven't alienated every other uh, major fan base on, on all of my appearances on the show, I want to, again, in, in as, with as much neutrality, say that uh, the most impressive Premier League champion to me always will be, until there's something that surpasses this, it's the three-peat of Man United from 07 to 09. And for the exact reasons that we were talking about right there. And they won the Champions League right in the middle of that as well. And made it all the way to the final uh, in 2009 when they lost to Barca at the last, the, the end of, of the Ronaldinho and, and Eto era um, at Barca. Messi coming up in, into the ranks in 09. It's, uh, it's wild stuff to think what United did for three straight years. Won the Club World Cup in that time. Did all these kind of things that we're talking about and and sustained it for that long while winning three consecutive Premier Leagues as money had certainly come to Chelsea and and City had new ownership. Liverpool still doing their thing under Rafa and, and making European Cup finals. For me, I'm now, I'm now I've even lost my Liverpool base. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Included in that run, Champions League win for United against Chelsea. Yes. I remember uh, Anelka's penalty being not fun for me to watch, but uh, it, it sounds like Liverpool and Barcelona have a lot of similarities going on based on someone who's just kind of sitting back and listening to you two explain how things are going at your clubs. Um, I hear a lot of sustained success and now it's time to maybe, I don't know. I think Liverpool's probably close to getting another trophy than Barcelona, but maybe you guys are going through similarities right now with your two clubs in two different countries. Yeah. I like also that Nate has just turned into Jose Mourinho. For me, for I mean, me, for me, for me, the most impressive three, three, one, two, three times, three times. Um, it's hard. hard. I mean, winning, winning is hard. It's it, you know that's the thing about it. Like you know, it it sets an almost near impossible standard. You know, it's an amazing thing, but like it it also just creates this ridiculousness that you expect nothing else but. And then when you don't get it, you know, it's, it's just such a precipitous drop off. So, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do to maintain that kind of, that level of success. It's ridiculous. Well, I think I was thinking all, I was had it all at the forefront of the mind there. Cause everyone's talking about, can you go back to back? And I'm like, with everything that Liverpool have been through this year and everyone's talking dynasties ending and it's, you know, cross sport comparison. I texted this one to Jordan the other night, the comparison between the golden state Warriors and, and Liverpool actually, you know, maybe off a little bit on timeline, but with the, the injuries that the Golden State Warriors went through in the 2019 NBA Finals and guys being out and kind of Clay Thompson as Virgil van Dyke is, you know, there's enough for your cross-sport comparison, but I do see the sort of like profound connection between stories like that, whether it's in soccer, whether it's in basketball, anywhere where you see what a team has gone through and when it, it really looks like, for lack of a better way to put it, it finally burnt out. Like this engine was going 120 miles per hour for three straight years and never let up. And it finally, everyone's going, when's it going to end? And now be, now comes the ultimate challenge. And that's where I have to, you know, in hindsight, as a younger man, I wouldn't have been able to give that credit to, to Sir Alex Ferguson of Manchester United. It was too caught up in, oh, I hate these fucking guys you know and now to be able to look back and see what sir alex did coming off every time where people thought united were done under sir alex where it had finally reached the point of what we're talking about right now with what we're jordan pointed out what we're seeing at barcelona what people are sort of feel like they're seeing at liverpool i don't think it's to that level but i get where people are coming from and things kind of feeling like they're hitting that that end point of a dynasty run. And you think that every time where United had one end, the bounce back was incredible. Where even when Chelsea came in and broke it, when United were going for four in a row uh, in 2010 and Chelsea won the league, United came back and won it again the next year. Then City had the famous Aguero final goal title win in 2012. What did United do? They came back again in 13. So I see this like grand body of work and I hope, this is my sincere hope and my bow on this whole discussion is that I hope Jurgen Klopp, if he wants to, gets the chance to build something like that where there get to be legitimate ups and downs and where you don't get to go back to back to back where you might 
finish fifth one year and then go for the title again the next year. I hope he gets the chance to do that. I really hope that that the long-term commitment to Klopp remains there at Liverpool through all this. So you'd sign up for another 10, 20 years of Klopp right now? 10 to 20. I don't think he would sign up for 10 to 20, Jordan. But you would. Good try. How about, how about how about one more? Do you think are you do you think he's there for one more? I think he's there for I don't know exactly what's in Jurgen Klopp's mind right now. He's going through a lot. I can only imagine the the stress and thinking about long-term future and he's talked about this is in all seriousness. He's talked about retiring young. He's actually been very candid and very public about that over the years and and shits hit the fan in so many different ways that are so out of of his control and and family is very important to him so i'm dead serious when i focus in on the the real human side of it for Klopp. but from a pure football so i don't know that i can't speak to that but from a pure football standpoint if liverpool had any sort of you know desire to to cut ties they'd be foolish i don't think they do i think he's got a year two three however many more he wants i think that's what he's earned he changed the culture he rescued the football club and if y'all don't value that then hell i ain't got time for you so i just want to keep you know let me just say this Uh, unlike you two uh, i i wonder what it's like so tell me a little bit what's it like to see your clubs in the round of 16 in the knockout stage actually win the opening match because uh liverpool finds itself uh over leipzig and chelsea over atletico madrid so you guys are in a at least a decent position in europe despite where you stand maybe in the league chelsea and atletico madrid Seems like timing is is everything. Atletico Madrid for the first time this season. Darren, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but I think there's actually some La Liga matches for the first time. They're going through that difficult stretch. So it's at least raised questions in La Liga. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago, it's like we were talking about no league. It was the three of us having that conversation, how we, we didn't even have a league in Spain. I don't know if that's still the case. I don't know if Atletico Madrid has done enough recently to kind of shut the door on that conversation, but timing seems to be the story uh, in Champions League for Chelsea and Atletico Madrid, especially with that start. It wasn't the most exciting match you would ever see, but I think that was to be expected in this matchup. It wasn't actually played in Spain, so that was a little bit different too. I think Chelsea catch a break with that one. Um, they'll get the second leg at Stamford Bridge. In a yeah, the, uh, the the big away goal. I love this. The away goal against a uh, a team in Budapest, playing uh, against a Spanish team in Budapest, and you got the big away goal. Um, the, the away goal concept during these empty stadium neutral site games. Uh, Liverpool picked up two themselves uh, playing in... Um, Liverpool, I can't even remember where they were playing. It's all blending together from uh, last week. But wherever they played uh, Leipzig, was it was that in Budapest? I'm, I'm getting I'm getting all the games, all the neutral site, empty crowd, empty stadium games. Um, it's a bit of a mess, and people have talked about this. Like ties are gonna get decided on away goals. Yeah. There's one, there's one or two every round of of Champions League or Europa League football. Like it's just how it is. And it's going to be away goals in neutral countries in in front of empty stadiums. So I don't know what else could have been done to avert that, but it is a little bit. Uh, it, it was worthy of of some uh, uh, sarcastic praise there. And how about the away goal too? Like uh, Olivier Giroud, sort of was it, wasn't it? Let's go to VAR. Let's flip a coin. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know that anybody here could tell you definitively, but. They said it was, so it was. It was a goal as sexy as Olivier Giroud himself. It was a goal as beautiful as the beard of Olivier Giroud. It was a goal worthy of seven minutes of VAR. It, It just needed to be seen that many times. It was an absolute masterpiece uh, cheers to the World Cup winner. Cheers to this this magnificent man that is Olivier Giroud. That was one of the best goals of the Champions League. Um, and I don't even think it was the most impressive thing that we saw from him in that match. For like, he has all this impressive stuff that he does on the field, and then afterwards he gets interviewed right there on the field, just moments after running around for an hour and a half. He looks brand new. Didn't even play a game. His hair is perfect. Like perfect. I don't know. It, it's 
all of a sudden like a model walks over and does this post-game interview. I'm like, who's this replacement guy? There's no way he was the player doing the bicycle kick on the field. Yeah, it's weird to get an away goal, but Chelsea fans will absolutely take that away goal straight back to the bridge. And uh, hopefully it's weighted just enough to get them through into the quarterfinals. Next round, actually, I, I mean, we all know this, but I'll, it was a reminder for me. Next round is the first round in the tournament where you can actually draw another club from the same country as you. So for the first time, if Chelsea and Liverpool get through, they could actually play each other um, once we get to the quarterfinals. So that's going to be something a little bit different. I wrote down a few like random headlines from the Champions League matches, but I also stumbled into the 538 website because I was curious who the favorites are. And Darren sent me something, and I think we even talked about it recently, how Manchester City are the favorites like in every single tournament right now. Like pick the tournament that they're playing in they're projected to win it. Champions League, Premier League, Carabao Cup, FA Cup. They're expected to win on, all of it. Still on for the quadruple. The quadruple quadruple is legitimately still on for Manchester City. Yeah. Um, oh, overwhelmingly. I, I mean, yeah. It's not only on. It's well, overwhelmingly. Oh, oh. Are you looking, uh, looking at it right now? Don't, don't look at it. Okay, sorry. I'll put it on <laughs> about cup final. That's a win. Check that off. You got it better be. Got, I swear to God, if Jose steals a trophy with Spurs on the way out in the Carabao Cup in fucking April, I'm not going to be happy about it. This has been a spicier podcast than normal. I just want to say we've really been on it uh, here. Uh, cheers. Cheers. To okay. This. Well, Darren, Darren just thought. So Nate, play this game with me. Okay. City already told you the heavy favorites, according to 538, which like, they're you, absolutely really, the favorites. In um, guess who is second on this in, list to win cha- to win Champions League? Who else is left? And I can here. Let me let me go through the headlines. These are really quick things, and maybe I'll give you a little reminder of what the matchups are and everything. Um, so Chelsea Atletico, we already talked about CR seven Juve. They scored that late goal against Porto. Porto still won two to one, but that's going back to Italy. They have an away goal. Juventus Dortmund. They should have enough to get through Sevilla. It looked like they had three goals. Um, as you know, Liverpool in a good spot. And then Mbappe, he's going to get his victory lap in Paris uh, against Barcelona here coming up. Oh, so. Can we can we take a moment uh, with, especially yes. with Darren Smith uh, alongside uh, yours truly and Jordan Carruth to just have a toast to the new king of the new camp. Let's be honest, the king of the new camp, Killian Mbappe, Killian softly. Darren, I know you're a Fuji's fan. Killian softly Mbappe riding with a hat trick in Barcelona on a Wednesday night at the new camp with the third to top it off, to finish the thing off. The pick of the bunch, one of the finest goals, only topped by that bicycle kick from Olivier Giroud. But uh, other than the bicicleta from Olivier, uh, Mbappe with the goal of the, the the Champions League round of 16, completing the hat trick against Barcelona in Messi's house against Lionel himself. Cheers to the young king, Kylian Mbappe. Uh, and then, and then, not only just scoring the hat trick, but then telling Jordi Alba that he would take him out to the streets and kill him. I thought that was the best part too. I'll take you out in the street and I'll beat your ass down. Killian right softly with his song. He would kill Jordi Alba softly in the streets if Jordi Alba kept fucking with him. So yes, there was a lot to like there. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I mean, is this hold on, hold on. to get into like Mbappe and uh Harland uh, that you know this is the new Messi and Ronaldo I don't know felt like, I hope not felt like a premature to me but I hope people I hope people can get away from that shit on on a lot of levels from the, the the premature aspect like you're talking about about people putting far too much weird pressure onto the backs of of young star footballers to be the next Maradona and Pele to be the next Messi and Ronaldo all these different titles that get put on people and the goat and we're all thinking about goat legacies all the time where it's like let everyone just have their own flavor let everyone just do their own thing and and develop their own vibe their own flavor and to me there's no player i've seen like holland there's there's no player i've ever quite seen like him with his skill set don't compare him to anybody let him be him killian mbappe the only comparison for me is og ronaldo late 90s at at 
Barcelona and Inter Milan and for the Brazilian national team because that's the level that Mbappe's at, man. He is is so similar to to OG Ronaldo from from Brazil, but he's doing it for PSG. He's doing it for France, and I think he could guide France to another World Cup. I think this dude could guide PSG to the Champions League this year. That is how good. I'm saying don't heap too much praise, but then following it up with that, that's what I think Mbappe is capable of this year. In fact. Apart from City, who's got a better chance to win it than PSG? Who's got is PSG next up in your? I was going to say Bayern Munich. Yeah, so, I actually didn't see that. We're looking at two different charts. I only had the uh, the Manchester City chart in front of me. Beautiful. So Munich is actually second on that list Munich from five thirty eight to win Champions League. Reigning champions, fair. Hard and to I, do. I, nobody nobody I, does that back to back. Back to back. That gets back to that longevity thing of like winning the European Cup back to back. If Bayern do that, you got it. I don't know. I kind of like their chances more than I like City's chances, just because I've seen them do it before. I think. So I, don't know. I, I feel good. Munich. It doesn't look like they're struggling in this tournament. They're cruising still. So Munich too. Guess who is third on this list? Liverpool. PSG. Liverpool. Liverpool. Does that surprise you? I mean, if this is a really recent study and, and, and mapping out the odds, they have a 2-0 lead going back to Anfield and they're, you know, they have one foot into the quarterfinals. So at that point you win, you know, you don't even technically have to win four games. You can draw four games in a row and get through at that point. You're, you're in a quarterfinal. You're in the final eight. I mean, it's as much right. a toss-up as anything at that point. So I like I like Liverpool and Chelsea. I, there's going to be some All England. You mentioned this earlier. There's going to be some All England showdowns in in both yeah. Europa League. Uh, Arsenal could play Tottenham in the Europa League. That would be just astounding. Uh, but Liverpool could play Chelsea um, in in Champions League. United could match up against Arsenal or Tottenham in Europa League. Um, it's it's definitely going to be some uh, throwback All England ties in Europe. I think I think it's definitely going to uh, line up that way. But it surprises me that they would put Liverpool ahead of PSG. I would still say PSG. Yeah. Uh, what I saw against Barcelona that was dynamite, and I don't think we're going to see any sort of repeat of uh, 2017 in the second leg uh, with Barca coming back against PSG. Um, they look like the force to be reckoned with. And I would love to see them do it. You know how I feel. No Neymar and no Di Maria, by the way. Keep that in mind. Like Neymar didn't play. No, no remontada. But they got this man right here. Again, for for those of you just listening to the podcast, these are these are these. Everyone just listens to the podcast. It's a podcast. No one's watching this. Why do you put me on? You put me on camera. You tell me to you know put on makeup, get good lighting. You know, get everything all set up over there. It's all just this prank. It's a complete tease. Jordan, maybe we should find a place to post some video. Okay, we probably should. Before we talk about that, guess who is fourth on the list? This shocked me. It's not PSG. Where this the hell is, the, is PSG? They apparently got eliminated according to 538. I don't, I don't know about this. Fourth Chelsea. On the list? Fourth. I'm going to say Chelsea. Chelsea How with a better... Because you said it shocks me, and I know the way you act. I know the way you (laughs) (laughs) I can't, but honestly, fourth on the list to win Champions League, Chelsea, that makes no sense. Where's fourth on this list? They they are lucky to be on the list. Do not qualify. I just, I just want to say um, the the shirt, back to these visuals that no one can see. Darren is wearing a New York Knicks shirt tonight. I think that's where the basketball comparison came from. And there's certain things that Darren will say. Darren's been a, a, a resident of San Diego for a long time. But occasionally, there are things that Darren will say where I hear the New York in his soul. And that was one of them a few moments ago there where he looked at Joy and said, I know it because the way you act. You know, it's the way you act over there. You know, and, and again, the visuals that you can't see listening to the podcast, because that's yeah. what podcasts are, they're audio. Um, but, you know, there was full on, full on New York, New York fingertips in, in the, the, the whole thing there. It's right. the way you act, Jordan. It's the way I know you all act. that Caruth acts, all right? <laughs> Chelsea going to win Champions League? Come on. I can only crazy. imagine how you'd act. Okay. That's crazy. I would say you had longer odds the year that you won it last. Oh, no question about that. Those were like the longest of odds. Yeah. So, Nate, were you able to appreciate that run from plus, Chelsea? Plus, now you've got a real manager. I mean, you know, it's not Frank Lampard. <laughs> I mean, it's a real manager there. 
I was actually in, yeah, not a real football manager, Tuchel. It's wild what happens when a good manager inherits a team of good footballers and knows what the hell he's doing and isn't in the job due to a reputation that has nothing to do with coaching and has nothing to do with the playing pedigree and and what he gave to the club as a rather overrated player, uh, if I may add, and an inflated (laughs) ego uh, coming into a position. They had absolutely no time score. Preach, preach, preach. No business being in the position that he was in. It was all privilege. It was absolutely ridiculous. He was a fraud from minute one. People were calling it out and got told to, hush give the man a chance and so you know what i'm just gonna say we did because i was harsh early on lampard and i have a multitude of of chelsea supporting friends jordan my buddy charles wolan shout out to the oakland roots all sorts of wonderful chelsea fans who who communicate with me and i was told to give lampard a chance to give him a chance with transfers to give him a chance to to show he is a true football manager i gave him that chance he failed miserably chelsea have a good manager now what do you know they're playing good football and players seem to be having fun jordan they're having fun at chelsea i haven't seen that in years like come on man yeah no i'm, I'm it's nice it is nice i mean chelsea were in first place a couple weeks ago Jordan's like a hostage right now he's like oh yeah okay. what's going on right here if you don't want to I say mean, lampard, about lampard we get it we understand he's the no, all-time he's not an overrated player he's the all-time leading scorer in club history i know that doesn't make him an amazing manager but i don't know if we need to attack him as a player just because he didn't work out as a manager I don't know, but they're fourth on the list, right behind, uh, right behind Liverpool. You you ask me, if, if Lampard were there, they wouldn't even be rated. So it's they, okay. Exactly. I don't have anything else on Champions League. Is there anything you guys want to hit on in champs? Over to you, Darren. Nah, I don't. <laughs> Except Jordan sent me a nice this. snarky text message during the week. He's like, "So that's the best that La Liga has to offer after <laughs> Chelsea." <laughs> Dude, Simeone got his tactics wrong. He got his approach. He got everything. I feel like he almost did it on, I don't want to say on purpose, but it is going to be the most. Roberto Martinez himself, a man with the utmost integrity, an active football manager with the respect of his peers, the manager of the Belgian national team, and talk about shout out to the Evertonians and the soft spot. Roberto Martinez on the post-match show on, on CBS was talking about how of all the years where Atletico Madrid might not mind uh, getting knocked out of the round of 16 of the Champions League, it would be the one where they're neck and neck with their arch rivals, Real, going for a La Liga title for the first time in what feels like ages, first time in, what, seven years. Uh, And they had a 10-point lead that that has shrunk down to, as we're talking now, down to, what, three? It's three, but a a match in hand for them. Three with a match in hand, but still from from 10 and and seeing – People, you know, looking at them like choke artists and and are they going to are they going to fold? Are they going to implode in some angry Simeone epic, you know, self-destruction in the end of it all? And I think it's funny where they do not mind. And and you would never be able to say any other year. I wish I wish Liverpool could have caught this Atletico Madrid compared to the the Atletico they caught in the round of 16 uh, last year, which was just a wall against them in the first leg and then took them down at Anfield in, in theatrical, sensational fashion uh, in, in the second leg. I don't think we're going to see any of that type of stuff from Atletico in the second leg. I think Simeone is happy to, to focus on La Liga, and from a neutral's perspective, here's the little bow on this, I hope they're able to really focus on La Liga and and give us a, a legit title race, because we know, sadly, it ain't going to be Barca. I mean, it's it's the two Madrid sides. I hope there's a legitimate title race uh, in yeah. La Liga yeah. that finishes with an Atletico win. Yeah, I mean, I think Simeone went back into, like, typical Cholo Simeone, uh, Simeone you know, let me try to play for a nil-nil and win it in the second leg. And then, you know, he gets clipped. I mean, I was watching while I was doing the show, but, like, it was just so, you know, so back. Like, he just – there was nothing there. So, I don't know. We'll see. I think the second leg will be a lot different, but he's dug himself a little bit of a hole. It was typical, let me go nil-nil and then try to win one-nil next round and then move on to the round of eight. But I don't, I don't know that that was the best idea either. Jordan, get, uh, where, do you, where do you stand uh, on on the uh, ongoing, somehow still ongoing Mason Mount versus Christian Pulisic uh, debate slash discussion? Uh, 
how does Mount play so much and how does Polisic play so little? I'm not picking a side of this argument. I like both players, but a lot yeah. of people seem to be enraged. I, I, I was dealing with people yelling at me about it. Or I could feel them yelling at me over text the other day, and I'm like, not a Chelsea fan, don't have any you know, stock in this. So over to you, a Chelsea fan. What do you say to the Americans, uh, American supporters out there still harping about Christian Pulisic not playing enough, now under a new manager in, in Thomas Tuchel, uh, who seems right. to love Mason Mount, weirdly, just as much as Frank Lampard did. And everyone called out Frank Lampard for favoritism with Mason Mount. Apparently Tuchel loves Mason Mount too. So Mason must be doing something right. eh? Yeah. I think they're both really good players. And I think Pulisic is going to have to compete wherever he is for these spots. Pulisic has been out with injuries. He's taking himself out of the conversation or at least the competition with Mason Mount the last couple of matches. I think timing to bring up timing with Chelsea and Atletico Madrid for Chelsea to get Atletico at the right time. The timing has been terrible for Christian Pulisic to be hurt. Like this is a time where Chelsea's starting to get things right and they have a new manager and things are starting to click. And now maybe in a couple of weeks, this sounds ridiculous because who knows, maybe the wheels fall off, but it looks like they're actually building something here and they're building it without Christian Pulisic because he has been out with an injury. Now he has just been able to train and he could have been thrown in the Champions League match against Madrid. I am not surprised that he wasn't thrown into that. Um, so he's been he's missed a few matches with injuries since the new manager came in. And then he also missed another match for personal reasons. He had a family matter that took him out of one of the matches and I didn't see what it was. Um, so excuse me for not knowing that, but he's been out with injuries and he's been out with personal reasons. So really he's taken himself out of the conversation. He's going to be able to compete with Mason Mount, but he just, he's not always available as we know as us fans. And that hasn't changed at all since he got to Stanford bridge or what's happened with Dortmund has happened here at Chelsea. He continues to get hurt. He's played, I think, less than 50% of the possible matches he could have been able to play, and that's because of injuries. So I don't think it's so much as – I think Lampard was over-criticized for not playing Pulisic enough, and he just hasn't been available for the new manager lately. So I, don't know, I, I hope he gets right and he starts to be included because the time is right to be playing for Chelsea. It is, but if he misses that boat, do you think he leaves in the summer potentially? Do you think Christian Pulisic has a future at Chelsea beyond this season? I, yeah, Darren sent me something that uh, I think Bayern Munich are reportedly interested in Christian Pulisic. If Chelsea were to move on from Pulisic, I think they would be selling the stock low. I think the report or whatever Darren sent me said something like $60 million, which is a little bit under what Chelsea paid Dortmund to get him. Um, so I think they'd be selling low. I don't understand why you would sell Christian Pulisic now, unless you think it's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. And his value is going to continue to disappear. I don't know why you would. Um, I, I, I still see plenty of potential. I just want him healthy. I just want him to be available. And once he is, he makes an impact. So that's where I kind of stand with it. I, I, if you're trying to sell Christian Pulisic after he's been hurt a bunch this year under a new manager, and he hasn't been able to prove much, I don't know what the advantage is there. Maybe they do it because they know more than I do, but I don't I see hope, why. It makes sense. Uh, I, I hope he, he finds a turnaround this season. Still what 14, 15 games left in, in the domestic league season, still plenty of time for there's going to be other injuries. There's going to be chances for him to, to get back in the squad. I, I genuinely uh, hope so. Now on that note, I do want to throw one unfortunate uh, bit out there, but some get well uh, wishes. Uh, awkward transition, I guess, but from Americans playing in England. Um, and I know the last time I was on the show, uh, we talked a lot about Swansea and our, our mutual love and me going back years with, with the great connections to the Jack to a King filmmakers and, and everything uh, about the Swans and with our own Paul Ariola. Uh, going uh, to Swansea along with Jordan Morris, uh, who just a few days ago suffered a really, really horrendous uh, knee injury. And uh, it looks like he's going to be out for uh, a very long time. And I just wanted to send best wishes out, you know, football world vibes uh, out, out to Jordan Morris uh, with, with him tying into that conversation uh, that we had back a few weeks ago and tying to the, you know, young Americans playing their trade uh, in England. It was really, really a bummer to see that. 
uh, the other day. And I, I wish Paul all the best. I can only imagine, you know, the support that, that Paul has shown uh, for Jordan over, over the last few days, but get well, Jordan Morris. Uh, we love you. Shouts out from San Diego. Much love to Paul Ariola. Much love to the SD swans and uh, go out and see from a Jack to a King. If you still haven't seen the documentary and come on, you swans, the, the, the fight for promotion uh, continues. So there you go. I just wanted to get that, get that out of the way. So I will take that from Christian Pulisic to Jordan Morris, Paul Ariola, and I will ask you guys what you think about something that Hercules Gomez tweeted out just the other day. Nate, I'm sorry I did not send this to you, but I'm sure you saw it. But Hercules Gomez, who we know, who played here locally, tweeted out about uh, Efren Alvarez, right? Remember, uh, we saw Carlos Alvarez for SD Loyal. Hercules Gomez says, just a random yet sobering thought. This is on social media. I did three different shows today on Efra Alvarez being named to both the Mexican and U.S. Olympic qualifying preliminary rosters. Every interview is in Spanish. I even had to turn down a sports center hit due to time constraints. Zero English language content. No English language thought to contact Hercules Gomez to find out about Ifra Alvarez and what his future is and which national team he might decide. Thoughts? Uh, well, I have, I have two ways that my, my mind instantly goes with this. Uh, one is very emotional and, and one is maybe a little bit more uh, uh, pragmatic or, or practical, practical. The emotional side of it gets, I, I get very mad. It, it, it shows, it, it puts under a, a glaring light, a, a, a microscope of, of the problems that I've been screaming from a rooftop about for years and, and not understanding uh, the the lack of connection, the the lack of of follow through with specifically with the Latino community and and the Mexican American community to be very specific, um, but but the the Latinx community of the United States uh, at large with that ongoing disconnect between not only U.S. soccer, but through the people who cover U.S. soccer and people who have contracts with U.S. soccer and what's really important. And you see these dual national players and you see the coverage that Hercules is shining that light on right there. So I get very mad, uh, uh, emotional about that. Um, And I want to we can be the difference. We can be the change we want to see in the world, lads. We can be the English language coverage talking about it. We're here on an English language soccer podcast talking about Efrain Alvarez and whether or not he's going to choose the U.S. or Mexico. So there's that. There's the emotion. The practical side, I have to shout out uh, a, another mutual colleague, uh, Maximiliano Bretos, uh, who tweeted back uh, at Hercules uh, something to the effect of, is this criticism or a plug? Um, you know, because you're, you're inevitably Hercules as this fantastic bilingual man and, and someone who covers in both languages, you're now going to be the first uh, in English. So well played there. Way to get your uh, your critique in and plug your own coverage uh, at the same time. Very well done, uh, Hercules. But um, I, I I do ultimately focus on the first part. It's just a damn shame and let's change it. So we're doing our little part here, but people at the higher levels and, and around U.S. soccer, um, this is a damn good talent that we're talking about. And there have been so many before who have not stuck with the United States men's national team setup for one reason or another. Um, you know, the latest with Jonah Gonzalez is always the one that, that really eats at me with my Northern California roots and, and his story and, and, and that one, yeah, that one still like gets me angry. So I hope, uh, as someone who still, for some reason has that tiny little soft spot for, uh, the U S men's national team, um, and, and their success, I hope they, they get on this on every level. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the good news is- that they care. Yeah, I mean, I guess the good news is that that even if there is a you know a, a, a relative lack of interest in a storyline like this in our country in the U.S., that he still is deciding between the two sides, right? I mean, right. I suppose that there's some some decent you know there's something to be taken from that, you know, if you're a, a U.S. men's national team, a U.S. soccer supporter. 
I think Hercules Gomez makes a point that I, I obviously agree with, but I think Hercules would be the first to admit that the the amount of interviews and media coverage uh, towards the decision that shouldn't make any difference. Uh, the the attention that matters uh, is not media calls to Hercules Gomez. It's calls from Greg Berhalter. It's calls yeah. from coaching staff members. Uh, those are the phone calls and the attention, quote unquote, uh, that matters. So as angry as I might get uh, about that, if you're actually really thinking about it from a practical standpoint on a soccer level you just got to hope that hey we could work on the media side of things like i said we're doing our little part here on a podcast and you can go spread the word as you're listening to this and if you're interested in dual national players a very fascinating concept especially here in the san diego tijuana cross-border community and you're interested in the stuff check it out but ultimately U.S. soccer's got to step up and make sure they're making calls to Efra and and that that gets locked down. Otherwise, he will play for Mexico like so many before. Yeah, and Jordan and I had a decent relationship with Carlos. You know, I mean, he was... We remember the time he came out and he apologized to all the SD Loyal supporters there on the post-match show. And I thought he was a pretty good player. Class, yeah. Pretty much right up until the point where, where Alejandro Guido showed up. Yeah. So, you know, I, I thought, you know, I, I like talking to Carlos Alvarez and I even like, you know, I remember one night when he was on set with us, we were like, Oh, I think your brother scored tonight. And he was like, uh. but you know, he was a, he was a, he was a <laughs> solid contributor up until Alejandro Guido showed up. So, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I respect the family for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned Ale, Alejandro Guido, uh, Jordan, have you, have you heard anything about Alejandro Guido lately? I love Guido. Love that guy. I don't. I haven't heard anything. I've definitely been following along. I want to know what where he ends up because he played really, really well for San Diego Loyal. Hey, uh, hey, Rubio Rubin ended up going right. Rubin left. Barry is back Rubin. with Columbus, as far as we can tell. I don't know that there's any update yet on on Guido. So who knows? Come what on, I know one of y'all. One of y'all's tapped in. One of y'all's got some inside info on this. People want to know. Can call Alejandro. Should we People just text want to know. Just you know what I'm getting at. This guy's got a great story to tell. This guy's got ample connections to this community. This guy's got connections to Tijuana, to San Diego. I want to know where he's going to play in 2021. Yeah, sure. hopefully it's I did too. I've been following it. Keep following. Let me know what you find out. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I don't have to follow him too far. Hopefully, I just have to follow him to Torero Stadium. That's what I'm hoping oh, for. Man, that's, that's what I would love. Can you imagine? I mean, I love the midfield that they built here, but man, you'd be a better squad if you had Ali on the squad. I, I get so romantic about the stories. I get so romantic about the background of, of the player. Y'all are the ones shining the proper light on the fact that Ale Guido was one of the best players that Loyal had in, in 2020. Dude was showing out in that midfield. He was scoring beauties. He was doing special things with the ball. So, man, 2020 Alejandro Guido playing for playing for San Diego Loyal. That was a special, special time. I'd love to see it again. I'd love to see it again. Yeah, it's a total throwback, especially for like three of us chatting about it because we'd roll down across the border, watch him down at Estadio Caliente, tear things up down there. So, so, was, so can I just ask real quick time. as we wrap up? Because I know we're going on like 50 minutes here. But like uh, I've been watching Cholos play a little bit. Show the timer for all of you podcast listeners out there. Just actually put the timer up to the camera there to remind us youngsters that it's getting a little late in the evening. How much do we miss going to Tijuana? Oh, oh. I was thinking about that. Like my oh. happy place is with a Paloma. It's near Estadio Caliente. It's with a taco in hand. And uh, it's with a couple betting slips from Caliente, if we're being honest. You got the Club Tijuana jersey tonight. Very nice. What is that? I haven't seen that one before. This is a special one. This was from my friends at uh, Spanglish. They did a uh, uh, a throwback to the pre Cholos Club Tijuana setup, which is right around, I got to get the historical specifics about it, but right about 06, 07, when they were crafting the final image, which ultimately became that that iconic Cholos crest that we love uh, so much. It was the last one. It was the the outline of Baja California, and it had this connection to the old Gallos de Tijuana, and then they were forming Cholos right then, all through uh, Grupo Caliente. It's wild history. It's good stuff. I miss it. I can't even put it into words or equate any of it. I, I miss it. I miss it beyond words. I, it was It was my second home, 
and it's been far too long. So I can't wait when this uh, hellscape is finally over. We get through this thing and we all need to get back down there. I miss everyone down in Tijuana. Much love to y'all. San Diego. I talked to somebody with the Padres the other day who said that they're planning April 1st in San Diego at 25% capacity. So if those numbers are going to apply, let's say to SD loyal, I can't do the math on that, but that sounds like we could have some people in the seats at Torero stadium as well. We're coming up on the one year anniversary, March 7th from where we all were at Torero stadium. Remember when. We're back. Yeah, so what is that? That's just like under 2,000 people at Torero Stadium, right? Capacity is just under eight? 25%? Yeah, and 25%. I mean, we're looking at it just under yep. two. Well, right if we get the right 2,000 in there, they can make a lot of noise. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely. Get the noisy bunch in. Um, we still have a couple things to get to. Darren, you, you threw up the clock. So now we have, now I'm looking at my checklist. We have a Bundesliga report to get to. Tim Stoops oh, has sent no, in a report. No. Um, and then also just a couple thoughts on the She Believes Cup. Yeah. Yes. This week. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Saw a couple goals. Here's just like a couple of thoughts as we get closer to the Olympics, which hopefully they're going to be playing. They seemed good in this tournament, right? But I think the, the big takeaway was they were good, not great. It's still good that when you play well, you're going to win it. Um, but if they were playing great, they would have blown out the competition even more. I think it was really. Really good that Carly Lloyd looks like she's continuing to come back well from her injury. She played better and better. Alex Morgan is incredibly impressive. She has every single reason not to be playing like well, like not to be playing perfectly. Um, not that she's playing perfectly, but she's playing really, really well for this team right now. And she has like every reason not to be between COVID, between pregnancy. Um, what else did she deal with in 2020? There was something else that was pretty, oh, she had the knee injury. She had a knee injury. So she looked good. I don't know. I'm excited. It only kind of builds your excitement as we get closer to the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. I think it got, I, I think the best thing is they got better match to match to match. So, yeah. you know, you beat Canada one nil and then you end up winning the cup six nil. So, you know, showing improvement from one match to the second match to the third match to me is, is where it's at. And I will tell you somebody, uh, somebody reminded me that the women's world cup in 2023 is going to be in Australia, New Zealand. And I immediately went, Okay, that sounds like a pretty decent road trip to think about. New Zealand and Australia in the summer of 2023. I think I could be talking to that more than I probably can into Cutter. But uh, yeah, I, I just like that they played better match to match to match. You know, to me, which you know, after not the longest layoff, but a layoff was was a really good sign for them. Well, I'm glad you uh, lads both spotlighted uh, the the actual quality football that the United States women's national team played uh, in in those matches in the She Believes Cup. I want to spotlight real quick my favorite story uh, from this tournament, which was in a bubble format down in Orlando. Uh, correct, it was down uh, where all the teams were were stationed uh, together. And there was a uh, player. The last time I was on this show, I love this tie-in. Jordan, you made that beautiful little video out of my romantic spiel about the Diego Maradona Boca kit and the the love for Boca Juniors. There's a player who plays for the Boca Juniors women's team uh, named Yamir Rodriguez. And during the first night of the bubble, when teams were arriving, uh, she saw her apparently her idol and her idol is much the same as myself, Megan Rapino. And she took a great uh, picture with Rapino and Rapino waved to her. And it was like, Hey, see you in a few days. Ultimately when our teams play, ultimately their teams play Argentina's a little overmatched. Uh, Rapino scores a couple of goals herself. The U S wins six nil, but that doesn't stop uh, Yami Rodriguez from trading kits with Megan after the match. And there are some brilliant photos uh, of the two of them after the game. Uh, seeing Megan Rapino with all of our love and romance for football Argentino and Maradona and Messi, seeing Megan, seeing Rapino holding the, the famous Argentina kit 
that that was the kit right off the back of her friend uh, Yami Rodriguez. That was one of the most beautiful things. That was my football romanticism favorite uh, for the last few weeks. So shout out Rodriguez, shout out Rapino, shout out the U.S. Women's National Team. Much love to Boca, much love to Argentina, and 2023 World Cup. I think we are planning a trip. I am fairly certain we are planning a trip. Sounds pretty good. Who's we? You're invited as well. Oh. <laughs> we, me, me and Lil Van Dyke, and then we'll get uh, Darren and and the 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 sommelier and Cleonel Messi is going to come. And, I've already I've already run it past the sommelier. She's good. She's ready to go. She's ready to go to New Zealand. I love it. Jordan, talk to your missus and let's uh, let's 2023 this thing up. I think Lucas should get out of the country sometime. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the baby. I forgot about the child, the small child who will be, he'll be an old man by then. He'll be a full grown adult by then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Bring so we'll bring Luca. Luca's in. 16 hour. Um, yeah, it's a good it's setup. Great. I like it. We're all in. We can do the Unnamed Soccer podcast from there. We can just do uh that's a tax trip. or something, right? Is Total business trip. Yeah. 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 That's what we'll call it. All right. Let's get to our Bundesliga report. Tim Stoops sent this in earlier today. We have to thank him. Tim Stoops, our update of the Bundesliga. We go to Missoula, Montana. Here he is, Tim Stoops. Darren Jordan Dunk. here is your Bundesliga report. Question eins. Is Bayern still in first? Yes, Bayern is still in first, but the gap has narrowed. With a 2-1 loss to Frankfurt, Bayern left themselves open. An energy drink football club capitalized. They were winners over Hertha Berlin and closed the gap to two points. Come on, Bayern. Don't let Energy Drink Football Club get a trophy. Ugh. Questions vie. What did American Dream Gio Reyna do? Well, in the Riviera Derby against FC Schalke, Gio Reyna played the last 10 minutes and really didn't have any effect on Dortmund's 4-0 win over their rivals. Question dry. What did other Americans do in the Bundesliga? Not much, it was just a Tyler Adams assist for Energy Drink Football Club. And lastly, in the Torjager Kanan tracker, it's still Robert Lewandowski. He's got 26 goals on the season. That's it for this week. Auf Wiedersehen! There it is. I don't know where else you're supposed to go for the Bundesliga report. Missoula, Montana is the only place that we go. I wonder if we uh, if we should put like the Bundesliga report, like if we should archive it somewhere. Like along with all of our other stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, we do a lot of stuff. People, you mean for the people who only come to the Unnamed Soccer Podcast for the Bundesliga? Yeah. Out yourselves. If you are one of those people who only comes to the show, where and you fast forward through the whole thing, well, these guys shut up. When's the guy in Montana going to talk about German football to me? And you fast forward and you go, shut up, Jordan. And who's this Nate guy? Get this guy out of here. Shut up, Darren. Where's Stoops? I want Stoops. Uh. Oh, I got God, another, another I got message. Out there. Good God. When are we going to get to what's happening with Schalke? <laughs> last week we promoted this. Nate, you missed this. We promoted it last week, but the podcast, I don't know where the fuck it went. It's somewhere in some cloud that does not exist. It did not save is essentially what I'm trying to say. But what we did, and I guess we should promote it now for those listening all the way an hour into this podcast, you get a reward. Here's your present at the end of the podcast. We have a website that is live, but it's a work in progress. It's live. There's some cool stuff on it. Um, there's stuff for you to check out, but we want feedback. So we haven't announced it. We haven't put it like on social media or anything. Darren's not blasting it all over iHeart yet soon. Um, but unnamedsoccerpod.com, unnamedsoccerpod.com. And then people who listen to the podcast, of course, are going to be the people who probably check out the website. You kind of get to check it out right now before we really start promoting let us know what you like and what you don't like and then we can fix some things which we have like the pub map up there which is something i tweeted a little bit earlier we had someone tweet in saying they were looking for the ac milan supporters group in san diego they want to know where they watch um i don't know the answer to that if anyone does please let me know zlatan Um, zlatan knows where yeah I watched I watched uh, AC Milan and Inter Milan over the weekend. That was a big one in Italy, and that was a beatdown. Yeah. AC Milan had it rough. I watched um, AC Milan in uh, Europa League today. Maybe we're the supporters group for AC Milan all of a sudden. We're watching <laughs> matches. But yeah, go to the website, unnamedsoccerpod.com. And we're going to add more stuff. I, I already told Nate I want to include like an entire tab just for his uh, collection of jerseys. Oh. And uh, we'll have a whole section on the website for that and all that fun stuff. And Tim Stoops will have his own section. Stoops, Bundesliga have a fashion show of the day. I like that. Oh, my. Yeah. 
we got to be we got to be careful uh, uh, which which direction that goes. Uh, no, tying it all together there with Tim Stoops. That was the what spawned this whole discussion. I hope he gives Stoops his own Bundesliga section. That would be very, very cool. I think Stoops deserves that. And uh, Stoops, if you're listening right now uh, out in Missoula, Montana, I want to share with you. Uh, I always talk about football romanticism. Well, the great Derek Ray uh, taught me recently how to say football romanticism in German. Fußball romantik. And there's my Bundesliga report. Over to you, Stoops. Cheers. What does he say at the end of the reports? Does anyone remember? I can't say that. I don't know. I don't listen to any of them. I think we got through the normal checklist. Darren made fun of Frank Lampard for a while. I made fun of Barca for a while. Yeah. Um, he brought me on uh, after a devastating Liverpool loss. And then we kicked Liverpool while they were down too. So we're good. Yeah, we got our Bundesliga report. But hey, we got a Copa del Rey match coming up against Sevilla on Tuesday. This could be Lionel Messi's last chance ever to win a cup. So that's it with Barca. There's your narrative. Yes. Super sad. Before you... Before he's winning them in Paris next year, alongside they win all of them next year in oh. I'd rather him it. go to uh, if if I had to pick which evil empire uh, picks up Lionel Messi, I would rather it be the uh, the one in Paris than the one in Manchester. Or, or apparently the, the the notion that both Manchester clubs uh, want to make a run. Regardless, I would uh, I would much rather, for a multitude of reasons, I would much rather see uh, Lionel Messi playing for PSG than uh, United or City. But we shall see. We shall see what happens in the Messi saga. Copa del Rey, next up. There you go. I just don't know if I'd see a lot of Messi matches if he did go to France. I don't watch a lot of that league. I'd see right, him in Champions PSG League. Does even have like a television network? I, I mean, does the, the league league legal was on uh, was on BN for a while here in the states? Why can't he go to Italy? Go to Italy. It's on ESPN Plus. We can stream those matches. He can play Plus CR seven a few Messi times. Ronaldo, but what if Ronaldo really does? What if it's more than just a pipe dream and the the Ronaldo full circle return to Manchester United actually happens and Lionel Messi heads to Manchester City? And the first Manchester Derby of next season is Messi Ronaldo at Old Trafford of the Etihad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to just end with this horror show fantasy for my fellow Liverpool fans and for everyone else. But could you? Sounds awful. Oh, I can see it now. Streaming live on Peacock. And they'll charge you. They'll charge you six bucks a game for that one. You'll get the full second series of Friends. For the purchase of the match itself. Well, season three of The Office. Season three and a half of The Office. Available. Listen, don't hate on Parks and Rec. It's probably worth it. All right. All right. It's totally so worth it. Parks and Rec very impressed that my cat to. slept through this entire podcast. I bet you, the listener, may have Not slept the only through one. this entire podcast. Good night. <laughs>